Welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where we break down every movie from the top 250 and give our thoughts, our reviews, and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, and we can't be bargained with, we can't be reasoned with, we don't feel pity, or remorse, or fear, and we absolutely will not stop, ever, until we get through this list. <laughs> oh, that was good. And I'm Dean Jeffrey, and after this podcast, I will be back. And today we'll be breaking down James Cameron's sci-fi action thriller, The Terminator. Dean... How are you, fella? <laughs> Good mate, how are you? Sorry, you just look a little silly right now. Why? Because you don't have a chair. You're sitting on the on a cushion like some weird yoga wannabe. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Nothing. You look very zen. Yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm Cross-legged. Feeling nice. Yeah, I'm getting a good stretch going. Getting my groove on. Yeah, well, it's bound to happen eventually. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the zone now. <laughs> Took us 29 episodes. No, no, we got no. I, I was there from episode one. It's taken you 29 episodes. Uh, do you remember when I asked you, why are we doing this list? And you're like, I don't know. Why are we? <laughs> you're very much on point there, weren't you? Ah, uh, good old episode one. <laughs> now, but how have you actually been? Pretty good, actually. Yeah? Anything yeah. new and exciting this week? We did catch up for a drink yesterday. Yes, we did. Yeah. We let the dogs play, which was beautiful. What about you? Nothing much at all. This is going to be my last week of work before I'm on holidays for four weeks. Nice. I'd say the word holiday very liberally because I'm not actually doing anything. I'm probably actually working more because I'll be looking after the kids because it is actually school holidays. <laughs> you think looking after two kids is harder than your work? Ooh. Wow. Maybe. Certainly more stressful. Yeah, def- oh, I don't know. Work can be pretty stressful. But, you know, four weeks away from work is going to give me a bit more time to watch some more movies, catch up on the ones I've missed, so... I expect a, a big list from me coming up in the next couple of uh, episodes. Good, yeah. I've watched a few movies already. Have you? Yeah. No, I haven't watched too many. I'm sure I'll be catching up soon. But we are gearing up for the footy finals soon. Yes. Yes, of course. Yes. My beautiful, beautiful Melbourne heading into the final four. Yeah, I mean, they've been so bad for so long, so it is it is legitimately exciting seeing Melbourne doing well. Yeah, so by the time you guys have heard this, we will have known if they're in the grand final or not for the AFL. I really hope they are. Which will result in you and I having a very big grand final party here. Lots of drinking, lots of fun and entertainment. Very large, very yes. large. I cannot wait. I really do help, hope Melbourne get through. Yeah, me too, obviously. So be sure to stick around after the breakdown where we'll find out the results of last week's Pod V Pod Draft. We'll take a look at some of your answers in our question of the week. And in keeping with the theme of The Terminator, we'll give our top five James Cameron films. We'll also take a look at our next set of matches in the Sweet 16 of our Best Director Tournament. So plenty of great content coming up for you this episode. If you're a first-time listener to the show, first of all, welcome. Hope you enjoy the show. If you're not a first-time listener, please go over to iTunes and help support the show by putting a five-star review for us. Even go over to patreon.com and help support us that way. Yeah, that's right, Dean. Patreon is a great way to help support the podcast. We've got a patron-only podcast going on over there. We're halfway through our Wes Anderson series, and we'll also be having a breakdown of the patron-requested review from Shane of the documentary, The Red Pill. The Red Pill, yeah. yeah. That uh, should be interesting. I haven't had the chance to watch it yet, but uh, yeah, I look forward to watching it. Yeah, so if you're interested in hearing our breakdowns of those films, as well as all the other Wes Anderson films we've done so far, head on over to Patreon and help support the podcast. I actually just want to give a shout-out to one of our listeners... Uh, who got in contact with us over the week. That's from Eliana Silvermist, who had a bit of troubles with where she's living. There was a uh, big, massive flood in her area, 
and it was just big devastation over in America. She's put pictures up of where she's living, and it's just completely flooded. Jesus, that. I, I did hear about the um, storms and stuff going on over there. Yeah, so it's pretty awful what's happening to her over there at the moment. But she did send out a tweet to uh, us and a couple other podcasts as well, saying. You guys got me through the worst of it. I was too stressed for true crime, so your podcast got me through when it was really scary. Trust me when I say that you're all so important to me. I was terrified, and you all made me laugh. Wow. Yeah, that was special. That was unreal. I couldn't believe it that she, you know, she's gone through this devastation, but she has the time to, you know, give us a shout out and, you know, say that we're helping her out in the best way, well, the only way we can. We can. Yeah. No, that's that's really that's really awesome. Yeah. Thank thank you you very much, Eliani. We we really appreciate that, and we hope you're doing well. And if you want to interact with us throughout the week too, we're on Twitter at IMDB Journey. We respond to everything sent our way, and it is a great way to keep up to date with us as we regularly tweet what else we've been watching throughout the week as well. So you can leave your thoughts there too, and we'll read them out on the podcast as well. Or if you prefer Facebook, we have a page over there at facebook.com slash IMDB Journey. Okay, we're about to start the breakdown of The Terminator, so if you haven't seen the movie, just be warned, we will be spoiling it from the jump. So, we're going to take a short break here, give you a promo from the Movie Geek and Proud podcast, and we'll be back on the other side with The Terminator. Hi, I'm Rob. And I'm Sean. And we are Movie Movie Geek Geek and and Proud, Proud. a movie podcast where two gay movie geeks review current and older movies of all genres, good and bad. We also pick titles and share our opinions on films that are either not well-known or guilty pleasures. But we are proud of our taste and encourage all other movie geeks to do the same. And it's not just movie reviews on our show. We play games, trivia, movie drafts. We have guests come on and even the occasional skit. (laughs) You can listen to our show on your favorite podcast apps, including SoundCloud, Podbean, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at MGNP Podcast. And remember, every movie has at least one fan. You're so cheesy. What? How's that cheesy? And every movie does not have at least one fan. Uh, I say it does, and you can't prove it doesn't. You can't prove it does. Yes, I can. That's why we're doing this show. It's like every time you want to start with me, I don't understand. No, you can't. You can't. I'm telling you, they always have to do You always do this. Movie Geek and Proud, a new episode every Wednesday. I'm here to help you. I'm Reese, DN38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Why does it want me? Why me? So, The Terminator released in 1984, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Bean, and Linda Hamilton, directed by James Cameron. James Cameron, the young, up-and-coming buck that he was. His only feature film so far at this point was Piranha 2. Must have been good. Have you seen it? Of course not. (laughs) Have you? (laughs) Absolutely not. Yeah, The Terminator first came from an idea James Cameron had of the endoskeleton emerging from the fire. Yeah, which is something you do see later on in the movie as well. Like, that was it. Yeah. That's that's what he wanted to have happen in his film, and he, he created the movie and the script around that particular scene. And he thought, he thought right, if it's a skeleton, it's obviously futuristic. We're not mm. going to have the budget to film it in a future world. Yeah. So we have to bring the future to the present, which is where the time travel aspect came from. And I imagine that's where most movies start from. There's this simple idea. idea. There's one little idea and it expands into these fantastic universes that these people make. Yeah, exactly. 
So, speaking of budget, this film did have an estimated budget of about six point four million in the yep. end. Yep, and ended up grossing thirty eight point four million. So, a nice little return on investment for the Terminator. Fantastic return, especially in nineteen eighty four. Like, yeah. this is actually quite an old movie now. It is. It's hard to think of it like that. Yeah, like it's. I certainly wasn't alive. Like the future that they present in this film, oh, it's, it's actually closer to us now than yeah. the. The 80s. 11 years from now. I know. Like, there's no way it's going to end up like that. Wow. You never know. Well, actually, in speaking of how that future ends up, in regards to how humans, let the machines get too powerful and they take over humans and that, there was actually a thing that happened recently where they had two machines or two robots interact with each other, like using just AI. They did nothing for them. They just let them go at it. Mm, nice. And they ended up creating their own language. Really? And they had to shut them down because they couldn't understand what they were talking about. They had to, like, end it. Is that not this happening? This is how this starts? Well, at least they were able to shut them down. I mean, that's pretty scary. I mean, it's clever. It won't be clever when they've taken over the world. I mean, it probably still will be clever. (laughs) It won't be as funny. (laughs) (laughs) So, did you see who else was considered for the Terminator? Of course I did. (laughs) This is ridiculous. So... Orenthal James Simpson wow. was strongly considered for the Terminator role, but was passed over after, <laughs> wait for it, the studio thought the public would never buy him as a cold-blooded killer. They thought he was too nice. Too nice. OJ Simpson. It's a bit of a misstep there. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Probably could have cast him. I also saw that Mel Gibson turned down the role for the Terminator as well. Just thinking that he wasn't right for the part. Yeah, thank you, Mel Gibson, because you would have been terrible here. Yeah, that would have been shocking. I mean, I saw, like, a number of actors were considered. The funniest one I saw by a mile was John Goodman. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Can you imagine? <laughs> walking around. <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't even... I won't even try to do a John Goodman impersonation, but imagine him knocking at a door and saying, Sarah Connor. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I, uh, I, I considered but. Sarah Connor. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Nah. I did see that Arnie was originally wanting to play Kyle Reese. Yeah, he was, but um, James Cameron actually told him, "Mate, listen seriously. This movie is not about the hero here. This movie is about the Terminator. Yeah, it's you called the Terminator. Wa- you want to be the Terminator." But I think that James Cameron originally wanted the Terminator to just be an everyday person, someone who would just blend into the crowd. And Arnie is far from someone who blends into a crowd. No, definitely not. Like, he is massive in this film. You say that like he's not massive in every film. But you look at him from, like, the 90s, like, especially Terminator 2, he's slimmed down. In here, he's bulky. He's still bulky from when he was bodybuilding. Mr. Olympia. Yeah, but that was, like, at least 10 years before this. Yeah. And to see him like this still, he definitely looks a lot different than what he what he was by the point of, you know, Terminator 2 and True Lies. Yeah, no, that's fair. You're right. He, he is smaller in those films. So weird to say Schwarzenegger was smaller. <laughs> yeah, speaking of casting, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was probably the closest to getting the Sarah Connor role. Apparently, also, Deborah Winger auditioned and actually won the role, but decided to turn it down. Why? I'm not sure. Because I don't know who that person is. She was from An Officer and a Gentleman. I think James Cameron wanted her, and he may have pushed for her, and she yeah, she passed on it. Okay. Well, isn't he lucky that he uh, ended up with Linda Hamilton because he ended up marrying her many, many years later? Well, is he lucky? Because he also ended up divorcing her many years later. Yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the beginning of the production was actually postponed for about nine months because Arnold's commitment to Conan the Destroyer. Arnold? You're not even going to go with Arnie? I was going to go in the Terminator in the notes. <laughs> well, we, yeah. Let's go. Let's go, Arnie. For I'm not going to call him Arnold. I will call him Arnie. Yeah, we'll go Arnie. And it was actually during that time when the movie was postponed that he ended up working on a different script that he got assigned to, which turned out to be Aliens. He yeah, wrote, James he, Cameron. Yeah, yeah, he wrote Aliens in between the time that Schwarzenegger was doing Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, certainly put his time to good use. Speaking of Conan. <laughs> James Cameron saw Conan the Barbarian and wanted Arnie as a Terminator, but he actually wanted he wanted him to have less lines than he did in Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, I think oh, he has Conan the Barbarian. Sorry, I think he has yeah about twenty seven from memory lines in Conan the Barbarian. Well, you just watched it recently, so you've been able to count them. Yeah, I was counting them Where, through, through between, my yawns yeah, through your sleeping. <laughs> And I'm pretty uh, sure he has 14 lines in this film, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I believe you are mistaken. Oh, really? Did you uh, count them? I believe he has 16 lines. Oh, well, let's let's just agree to disagree on the, that small little difference. Um, Arnold's... Arnold. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I say go. Arnold. <laughs> no, Arnie. Arnie, Arnie actually prepared quite heavily for this role, which is surprising considering he actually was viewing it as just a nothing movie just yeah. to get a paycheck. Yeah, that's what he thought it was. Like, like he, he realised it would be this big. Yeah, he actually bagged it before it came out as this, <laughs> you know, little <laughs> shitty movie. And he since came out and apologised, saying he didn't realise the vision that James Cameron had and, you know, what this character was going to be. So he's obviously done the massive flip on that. And he became very good friends with James Cameron on production. Oh, well, they ended up doing many different movies afterwards. Well, yeah, two. Yeah, um, that's enough. <laughs> that's many. It's many for James Cameron. Yeah, three, he's done three <laughs> James Cameron films. That's nearly half the films. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's good. But going back to his uh, preparation for the role, he actually worked with guns every day for over a month to be able to handle them so comfortably on screen. He trained himself to disassemble and assemble guns without even looking or even blinking. And his gun use in the film was actually praised by gun magazine Soldier of Fortune, who regularly bashes gun use on film for how inaccurate it is. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely put in the hard yards to make it look very accurate. He has, he definitely has. And just jumping forward a bit, uh, you know, since we're talking about Arnie, I think he's amazing in this film. And I've always thought he was just nothing. Obviously, he doesn't say much, and you just think, oh, he's not saying much because he's got the heavy accent, and, and he may not be a very good actor, but he is genuinely great at acting and not talking. This movie is his best performance by far. And I know that's not really saying too much, but I agree with you. His performance in this film is fantastic. I, I was blown away. Yeah. And I've never, I've never watched this film looking for... You know, how good is this performance? I've always, I've always, like, I've always loved it, mm. but I've always watched it as a very fun movie. Yeah. But when you're watching it the way we do now, he, he's incredible. Yeah. He really is incredible. To get into that mode of the Terminator, he would actively try and avoid Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean, mm. so he wouldn't form this connection with them. He just wanted to be this, like, this loner, so they would, uh, so he would feel distant to them, mm. which would play well in the movie. Oh, for sure. Actually, funny story. One day, uh, Arnie went out to lunch during a break in filming. And as he was out getting lunch, he realized all too late that he was still in his uh, Terminator makeup with his missing eye and exposed jawbone and some burnt flesh. Mm. Yeah, so that would have been awkward when he's, you know, everyone's looking at him. That would have been awesome, in fairness. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Going back to James Cameron for a second here. Apparently, Please. 
Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I will. He was actually apparently living in his car when he wrote the script for this film. He'd actually fired his agent because he didn't like the story idea that James Cameron had come up with for the film. Way to take some criticism, James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't like me? Fine, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, I can't do this for very long. I'll get a chair in a minute. Keep that in. Keep that in. <laughs> yeah, this yoga stuff is no good for me. I'm too old for this shit. Actually, did you know what? James Cameron's original idea for the Terminator was? Yeah, apparently he was... The original idea was to send two Terminators back. Hmm. And one of them actually be liquid metal. Does that sound familiar? A little bit. Yeah, sounds like a little sequel he made. Um, but apparently they didn't do that because the special effects weren't up to speed at that point. Mm. And it would have looked a bit... Not shit. good. Yeah. Would have looked a bit shit. Yeah. Yeah, he obviously brought it back for Terminator 2. There's actually a lot of plot details that were... I won't say scrapped, but withheld from this movie that would later appear in Terminator 2. For example, the whole going to Skynet and destroying the system. Yeah. That was all initially in this first movie. Yeah. It's good that they took out some of these things and had a good story for the second one. Yeah. I couldn't imagine what the second one would be if they added all this stuff into it. We'd end up like Terminator 3. (laughs) Shut up. Oh, God. (laughs) And with an average of 8.0 over just 700,000 ratings, it's currently sitting at number 226. Really? Yeah. Even though we picked it yes, a couple of weeks ago, number. I didn't realise it was that low. Well, now you do. Again. 220. 226. Well, I'll be. Exactly. So, I guess it's your turn for a plot summary this week. Are you prepared for that? Why do you say that like you think I'm not? Because I think you're not. No, I am prepared. Okay, here's a plot. A cyborg is sent back in time by the machines of the future to kill the mother of the human leader responsible for ending their reign of dominance. At the same time, a human from the resistance side has sent back one of their own soldiers to protect this woman from certain death at the hands of the Terminator. (laughs) Now, very good plot summary, Dean. Why don't we get into the breakdown here? So we open up in Los Angeles 2029, and I was actually shocked that I didn't get the music straight up. I was expecting the title to come up with that awesome music. I yeah, didn't expect this scene to come open. up. Yeah. But we do get a look into the future here, and it doesn't look like a future I want to live in, honestly. What a hot take, Hendo. You don't want to live in a war-torn future. Yeah, just expressing my thoughts. That's all it is. I bet Australia's probably normal in 2029. Oh, yeah. It's still the same. <laughs> so, like, why are you still living in Los Angeles, man? It's the only town ravaged by machines. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the Earth is basically covered in skulls here. We see machines flying around, tanks. What do you, you think of the spaceships? Okay, so they obviously look a little bit outdated in terms of their movement, but it's a product of its time. It's the, it's the only way they could have done it with, the, with their special effects then, so it didn't bother me. Yeah, it is obvious CGI, but I think because it's night time, you can't actually really see how probably bad it was. Feels nostalgic to me. Yeah, I think I actually think it was a pretty clever technique from Cameron here. And as you alluded to before, the the human skulls litter the floor, and you get the tank rolling over them, crushing them. I mean, clear symbolism here of the machines destroying mankind. Yeah. And not just that, but it, it does emphasise just how how easy it is for them. Like, oh, yeah. There's no hesitation. There's no resistance to that. It's just this tank rolls and bang. Yep, just destroying so many different skulls. And you get lasers shooting left and right here. You see, like, this lone man running away, getting shot at. It quickly sets up the war against the machines and the fact that we are losing it. 
Yeah, and not just that, but one thing I hadn't noticed before is that on this big machine, you actually get red and blue lights flashing at the top, like police, yeah. police lights, signalling that this is the authority of this time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Then they're out hunting these humans, these criminals, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. bad people. Like, this is the new world. Yeah. But I did, I did find it amusing, right, that you're in this future- you have these fantastic lasers that you're firing everywhere, but you still have all these bullets going. Wouldn't you just stick with the lasers? Are you talking about the humans or the robots? No, the robots have yeah. machine guns and lasers well, on. Well, why not have both? Because lasers are obviously better. Why? Because they're newer. Older is sometimes good. Righto. But if you wanted to know what else was happening, you get this text that comes up. Oh, yeah. Did you read it? I took a photo of it. I've got it here. It said, the machines rose from the ashes of the nuclear fire. Their war to exterminate mankind had raged for decades, but the final battle would not be fought in the future. It would be fought here, in our present, tonight. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. I felt it was really unnecessary, this text. Why? Because it was unnecessary. Because if you didn't have the text, it would make no difference. It's letting you know. Yeah, but you find out, like... Reese explains all this later on in the movie to Sarah. I would have thought it'd be better if you, you... You've already set it up as the future. You've set up Los Angeles 2029. So then you have the credits roll. That's fine. Then you hit with present day and it's all normal. And then you're sort of looking at it from Sarah's point of view and you're aware that obviously this terrible thing's going to happen, but you don't know what. And I think it would, maybe would have been better if the audience was finding it out the same way Sarah found it out from Reese in the car. No, I think you do need a little time. You don't have to disagree with me. You can just say, you know what? You're right. That's a cop-out. I don't agree. I feel like you you do need this little bit, this tiny little bit of exposition here to help set up the story here. And they do this with a lot of other films as well, just just to get a little bit of info on what's about to happen. You get the crawl from Star Wars. Even when we watch... That's not the same thing. The crawls in Star Wars tell you a heap of information. And they only need a little bit here. Yeah, you don't need any of it. Yeah, you do. Mm. If you had someone new who came into this film and saw that and then saw the present, they were like, what is going on? They see this little bit and they go, okay, so we understand that this is the, this is going to be the future, but we're going back to the past to see where the battle is actually going to happen. I felt like it was unnecessary. Well, I disagree. Agree to disagree. Yeah, again. But of course, after that much needed text, we get the awesome score that comes up. This score is it's one of my favourites. It really is. Oh, just that. You're hearing it. Like, oh, gets me, gets me goosebumps. Yeah, the music is iconic. It's really one of the few themes that actually, like, give me chills. Like, even when I'm seeing, like, a movie like Terminator Salvation, which by no means is a good film, but when I'm sitting in the cinema, it's really dark, and that Terminator theme starts blaring out, I tell you, it, it gets me. It's very robotic as well. It's just foreboding, you know, like that. Actually, did you know that that is supposed to be a robot's heartbeat? That's what's meant to symbolize. Robots don't have hearts. But, I know, but that's what it's meant. That's what the music is meant to symbolize. It's a robotic song, and that's supposed to be the heartbeat of this robot. That makes no sense. Oh, all right. Why would a robot have a heartbeat? I don't know. I'm not a robot. It this doesn't is- have a heart. <sighs> yeah, that's right. Tell that to the Tin Man. Okay. <laughs> Bit of a left turn there. <laughs> so we move back into the present, which is LA 1984, not our present. So 45 years prior. Yep, and you get this big bolt of lightning that comes out of nowhere, this 
truck drivers. I love this truck driver so much. What the hell's going on here? It's not what the hell's going on. It's into him. Into him. Goddamn son of a bitch. <laughs> He's fantastic. What the hell? And you get that big orb that comes out of nowhere and out appears Arnie, the Terminator. Yeah, it really is one of the greatest intros to a character ever. And you get that that score that comes on when he's there. Yeah, it is great. Even that crouching pose he takes mm. and then stands so slowly. He's very methodical. Yeah, and then we get... We sort of see him from front on and his face is in the darkness. Yeah. And he slowly stands up and we see Arnie in all his glory. <laughs> you said it before, but what an absolute unit. I mean, man, does he look menacing? He mm. just that look on his face. Yeah, he's like looking around slowly as though he's like scanning. Yeah, he's got that robotic look. He's, did you notice? This is something I love about his performance here. Whenever he's looking and scanning, his eyes move before his face does. You definitely notice that when he's in the police car later searching for them, his eyes dart, he's, he's like his eyes dart to the left and then his head moves with it. Oh, now we get our street toughs. With a little cameo here from Bill Paxton. I mean, how can this very, not be a James Cameron film without Bill Paxton? Yeah, it's, it's very odd. It is, it is a funny scene though. I actually thought they were um, looking through a telescope at first. Weren't they? They were looking through a, um, yeah, like those view. Yeah, that's a telescope. Yeah, but I thought like, Astronomy oh, telescope, okay. not one that you look into the into the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, and they're sort of taking it in turns, and when one of them wants to have a go at the telescope, and the other one wouldn't give it up, they smash their glass bottle in the front lens of the telescope. Yeah, like, rebels. Rebels kind of defeats the purpose of a telescope. <laughs> but yeah, we do find out just how brutal this Terminator can be as he just disposes of these punks so quickly, rips the guy's heart out. Nice night for a walk, eh? No, no, I can do better than that. Nice night for a walk, eh? Well, that was terrible. Mine was much better. Your clothes, give them to me. Your clothes, give them to me. That was awful. We're going to sound Mexican. Are we going to do that? Are we going to have like an Arnie off this whole podcast? It'll be uh, losers all round, oh, I yeah. feel. <laughs> I think the people that lose the most are the listeners. Uh, oh, yes, you mentioned pulling his heart out. I'm not sure he pulls his heart out, but... He, he does. He definitely punches a guy... So hard that his fists go through clothes and flesh. He pulls his heart out. I thought he just had a fist covered in blood. No, no. You see him punch into his chest, pull him up, and then come out, and there's a close-up of his hand covered in blood, clenching something. It's clearly a heart. Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm pretty sure no matter how hard you hit someone, a blunt object is not going to pierce all that material and flesh. You don't think a incredibly strong endoskeleton can punch through skin and bones. Maybe. It's just, it seemed odd. You seem off the ball tonight, Dean. I'm not off the ball. <laughs> anyway, did Bill Paxton die? No, he didn't die. He just got thrown backwards. Yeah, I guess. Why? I don't know. I, I thought I had this indication that he was thrown so, like, so harsh that he, like... I think he just got knocked out. Okay. Anyway, lucky for the third guy, though, he didn't really get injured at all. He gave his clothes up and that was it. Got yeah. away with it. I'm yeah. pretty sure, I'm obviously, like, obviously he must have survived. There's, the Terminator has no reason to kill him after that. Yeah. 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 Okay, so now we get the intro to Kyle Reese. I love this great comparison. Like you said, how the Terminator, when he lands, he lands on his arms and knees, like he's just in this crouching pose and he gets up, yep. he's perfect. Yep. Kyle Reese just falls through the sky, lands on the ground, he's in agony and pain. Yeah, definitely a stark contrast to the Terminator's entrance. 
Yeah, and I only assume that because he's human. Like, this time travel portal isn't designed for humans. It's it's for the machines. Mm. So, his structure would come through a lot different than the machines. That's why he's ended up the way he did. Yeah. You can tell he, he falls and he lands on the ground hard. Oh, yeah. And he's, you can see he's feeling the pain. He's wincing and grimacing the whole time. He seems tired. He's stumbling around and... Just could not be more different to Arnie's intro. And it is such bad luck for him that he ends up getting immediately chased by the cops. Oh, this is just stupid. Like, (laughs) the cops come from nowhere. It's not like they were just randomly patrolling. They sped up and then stopped straight away at that alley. Like, get fucked. No way. (laughs) And this homeless guy, how the hell did he get his pants off him? Did it look like he still had pants on when he came up? I think so. Yeah. It's weird. (laughs) I'm not sure homeless people have a wardrobe. Multiple set of pants. (laughs) I must say, it would be really great to see this as a first-timer again, watching it like this, not knowing anything about it, because they are keeping everything close to the vest so far and only revealing a little bit of info at a time. Like, you you don't know what he's there for at this point, hmm. and you just get this little hint here, like he mentions to the guy, like, what year? And you're like, okay, so he's clearly travelled in time, just from that little bit. He's, cl- he's travelled back in time. Yep. And obviously, as we go along here, we get little bit by little bit until we finally get like the big exposition dump later on after mm. they all meet up. Mm. But I do like how he escapes the police, he gets to the phone book, and you see the close-up of the Sarah Connor name, and it transitions straight into Sarah Connor without even seeing her name with her. You know that that is Sarah Connor. Mm. And you get this schmaltzy 80s music as oh. she's on her scooter or her, her Vespa. Cruising along. Vespa. Like, this is so 80s. <laughs> no, it is very 80s. And if we were unsure that it was yes. Sarah Connor, yep. we do get the time card. Yeah, for all those people in. not paying attention. And then a f- close-up of Sarah Connor. Yeah. Okay, we get it. She's Sarah Connor. So, we get back to the Terminator out jacking a car here. Now, did you know that this scene and a couple other scenes throughout the film were filmed in a style that is known as gorilla style? Do you know what that is? No, what is it? It's basically where Cameron and the crew didn't have the permits to shoot at yeah. these at these locations. So they just went and did it and quickly got away before the authorities rocked up. So this scene where Arnie punches the window and jacks the car, that the car was actually theirs. I'm sure it was. Yeah, but, but the window was real. The glass was real. It wasn't fake glass in this yeah. scene. He punched through real glass with with his fist. Nah. Nah, I read that he used a um he was he had a like a hydraulic he had something. There's no he didn't use his fist to punch through real glass. Okay. I'm sorry to shatter that illusion for you. Ah, but good pun. <laughs> deliberate, of course. Oh, for sure. But no, it wasn't his hand that he was punching it with. Well this this scene was actually the last scene of the film to be shot. And it was actually put in about two weeks before the film was released. Really? Yeah. It was and it was actually just James Cameron and Arnie that went out and did this. <laughs> yeah. And apparently, there was a extra set of clothes behind the car so that once it was shot, Arnie could quickly change into these clothes into normal clothing again. So that, so that if any authorities were to pass, <laughs> like that would be fine. Okay. Yeah. So now we go back to Sarah and she's definitely presented as a bit of a klutz here. Yeah. We get this scene of basically how sucky her life is at the moment, I guess, and working in this restaurant as this waitress. Diner, yeah. Stuffs up the orders, spills the food or the drink on the customer. But you get all these asshole customers. Oh, they're shocking. 
this little shit kid oh. puts a thing of ice cream in a pocket, in a down a blouse, whatever it was. And then you get the guys like, give, give you the tip. Like, give you what? The tip. An asshole. <laughs> Who are these people? Yeah. How good is this gun store scene? Oh, it is great. Yeah. It really is great. Watching him just rattle off all this gun knowledge to this clerk. He seems very impressed that he knows all this stuff. But he takes it a bit too far. Phased plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. Hey, just what you see, pal. And a lot of people have said that um, potentially this was an error in the film. Because he's been sent back. He would have knowledge of what guns were around at that stage. But they did say, they say later on, Reese says that the records and all that sort of stuff is burnt and destroyed. Mm. So it actually is feasible that he would not know when and what guns were available. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You see this gun he gets with the laser sighting on it? Yep. You know, that wasn't a real gun. Like, the laser was not really invented at that time. And the way they used it was Arnie had a battery pack mounted to him yeah. with a cord that was going up through his arm that would turn the laser on. God. Yeah. And that's really- how they got that chilling laser that you see multiple times pointing at people's yeah. oh, heads. It's, it's great. Yeah. Like, the use of the laser is great visually for the film, but it's definitely an error. Why is it an error? I'm glad you asked, Hendo, because the Terminator sees everything in red, okay? So, if you have a red light shining, he's actually not going to see that. You smart-ass. It's true. That's really good. That's really good. And also, just back to this uh, gun store owner, this guy buys four guns from him, I believe. Four guns. Yeah. Well, I guess we close early today. <laughs> what? You sold four guns and you close up shop. Mind you. What, what kind of a business model is this guy running? How lenient were the gun laws back then? Just, yeah, you're a big burly weird guy with a yeah. big overcoat jacket on. Have all these rifles, but there's a 15-day waiting period for the handgun. <laughs> what? He goes to grab ammo. Hey, you can't do that. Wrong. <laughs> and that's great. Like, that, that ending of that scene is great. Yeah. So we get another scene of the Terminator here where he drives up. And he runs over this kid's truck. Yeah. Two things. Firstly, did you know that that truck model that he ran over is the same truck model that he drives later and gets destroyed in? No. But I felt like it had some had some sort of symbolism there. Secondly, what the fuck is this kid doing leaving a toy truck in the middle of the road? Like they the make 80s. It, they make out like, ooh, what a badass Terminator this guy is running over a toy. What the hell is a toy doing in the road? Anyone could have run over that. It was on the side where the car parks. It's the <laughs> 80s. No one cares. Oh, the kid cares. <laughs> I can tell you now. <laughs> but you say this truck crushing scene sets up for when he comes out and kills this first Sarah Connor. Oh, man, this scene is so uncomfortably frightening. It's great. Just the lack of remorse and emotion he showed when he walks up methodically to the door. Sarah Connor. Yes. And just boots in the door. There's this slow motion. She's got no idea what's going on. Yeah. He pulls out his laser gun, and you get that quick little shot of the laser pointing right between her eyes, and then bang! Yep. The gun just goes down. Bang, bang, bang. It just empties the clip yeah. into her. Holy shit. Yeah. And again, you don't see the violence yet. Like, no. you're seeing it from Arnie's point of view, the Terminator's point of view, and even the gun store owner, you just see the barrel of the gun, mm. bang, next scene. Yeah. Like, you're not seeing it yet. It really is building up to its climax really, really well. I do remember seeing some sort of extended clip or deleted scene where, after he is done, he just turns around and walks back to the car and drives off, unfazed, while everyone around him is mortified by what he just did. Really? I don't remember where I saw that from. Maybe it was on the, just the... You know, deleted scenes on the Blu-ray I've got, but mm. yeah, I do remember that scene. 
I do like the little touch of the dog barking at him as he's walking up to the house, mm. as we learn later on, that they were used to identify Terminators. Yeah. One little dodgy thing I saw, how did that news report come up so quickly that she was killed? It is like, she's st- Sarah Connor is still at work. So this is happening like in the next 20 to half an hour that there's this news report that this Sarah Connor's been killed. It is very quick. Okay. Seems middle of the day. Why is there news? Yeah, I never noticed that. So we get this 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 dream sequence, and you know I love my dream sequences. Do you? No. This is probably the worst scene in the movie. Even worse than the other dream sequence that comes up? Yeah. Well, at least actually that one has a tiny bit of relevance. It does. It does yeah. have relevance. This one- Actually, not a tiny bit. It has a, bit, it has a fair bit of relevance. Yeah. This one, we see- the machinery, so he's sort of watching the machinery, he falls asleep, and the machinery turns into a future machine, and he's running about, he's getting fired at. Like, it's not a bad scene. It's probably the most irrelevant scene. Yeah, and it's it's obviously there to try and show more of the future setting. Yeah, you can see James Cameron getting his influence uh, from, like, Mad Max and, like, Star Wars as well, and mm. this is, like, his portion of the film that he probably wants to do but like you said he doesn't have the budget yeah. so he's got to put it in the, in the but he's present. trying he's putting little bits and pieces in there he really wants to get some of that in there the problem I have with it is that it's nothing really we haven't seen before we saw all this same stuff at the start of the movie They're, all it's doing for me is just taking us away from the Sarah Connor story and why is he having a nap at all? Because like, he's human and the, he is tired. The Terminator has already killed one Sarah Connor he doesn't know that he's just lucky it's not the right one <laughs> And even when he drives off after his nap, do you see how slowly he drove off? Like, you are in a hurry, man. You need to get to the right Sarah Connor pretty damn quickly. The fate of mankind is literally resting on your shoulders right now. Speaking of Sarah, we cut back to her and her roommate, Ginger, getting ready for a night out of the town. Ginger's wearing a Walkman. Do you remember the Walkmans? I do remember the Walkmans. Oh, I had a Walkman. That brought me back. Did you have a Walkman? I had a Walkman. Yeah, I definitely had a Walkman. They were crazy good back then. What do you think of this phone call from Ginger's boyfriend? I mean, it's it's funny the yeah. first time when he's talking to Sarah, but it's hilarious yes. when he when Ginger gets on and he just starts it again as though exact nothing has happened. Tone, yeah, <laughs> like perfect tone of exactly how I said it the first time. It, yeah, it's it's really funny. Yeah, I laughed. I saw it when I watched it for the, the breakdown. I burst out laughing again. That was hilarious. Yeah, no, it was good. This Ginger character, sorry, not the character, the actress is not actually in a lot of movies, but she's almost credited as creating the TV aerobics sessions that you would see oh, like early morning. Okay. So that's her uh, claim to fame. I do remember those aerobic yeah. uh, shows when I get up too early. Yeah, for you always TV. had to wait through them to get to cheese 7 a.m. T- cheese TV, and I'd get up at ten to six and have to watch people doing aerobics when yeah. I was like ten. Yeah. Come on, maybe it would have helped with your ability to sit down tonight. Yeah, I should have watched more of it. Just, just an update, folks. He's uh, grabbed a chair. Yeah, did not last very long on the floor. No, <laughs> I'm an old man. What a now. surprise! <laughs> I, I gave it a shot. Okay. <laughs> So now we're introduced to the two cops here, played by Paul Winfield and Lance Hendrickson, another occurring James Cameron actor. Yeah, staple in the James Cameron films. He was actually originally in line to play the Terminator. Yeah, I heard that when Cameron posed the idea of this movie to the studios, he used Lance Hendrickson as his prop for the Terminator. Yeah. Terminator came in and just acted like a Terminator, and Mm. that's what sold them on the idea. Yep. And this is in this scene here where we find out that the second killing of another Sarah and Connor has happened. Yep. And they start to notice this pattern. Yeah. 
So this movie definitely plays as not only a sci-fi action thriller, but as a horror film as well. This can definitely be passable as a horror film. The Terminator is more effective to me than any monster movie or any slasher movie because this machine, as they say, will not stop until his mission is complete to kill this woman. He's relentless in his pursuit, and that's what makes him such a terrifying villain to me. Yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely more horror than action or even sci-fi. I think if you take out the fact that he's actually a robot, then at the base of your movie, you've got, you know, as you say, a relentless killer tracking down a, a young girl. You can still have the sci-fi because there is a lot of time travel stuff involved. Yeah, there, there is a lot, but there's the, the atmosphere of this film is decidedly evil. Yeah, it's a stark contrast to the second one, which is basically just all action. Yeah, there's no... I mean, I'm not going to say there's no tension because there is, but yeah. there's no, like, sense of dread, okay? In this film, there is a sense of dread throughout. You are legitimately fearful. I mean, you never really think she's going to die, but you're legitimately fearful of this Terminator. And that is, is through the brilliant performance of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, he is literally a killing machine. Yeah. Keeping on the theme of these cops, though, I do love how you see how stressed out the uh, the captain is when he's asking for a cigarette, not realising he's still got a lit cigarette in his hand. Like, he knows there's going to be a big night. He's got two <laughs> Seracondas killed. You know, yeah, he's, he's, waiting. Yeah, he's not coming home soon. Yeah. So, we get this quick little scene here where Sarah gets stood up on her date. Did you know that voice on the message machine was James Cameron? Yeah, I did see that. Yeah. That's good. I love the 80s style, though. Like, the hair. My God, the hair. Yeah, the big buffy hair. As big as it can go. Like, it's no good. So, Sarah heads on out to go see a movie, apparently, and we hit this quick little scene of Ginger and her... Her boyfriend, Matt, having some uh, relations, and um, she can't take the headphones out. He mustn't be that good. <laughs> She's too busy bopping her music just, to care what's going on. She just loves that, that aerobic music. She's like, yep, you do your thing. I'll just be listening to the tunes. <laughs> well, geez, pick up your game, Matt. Now, coming up through this film, Sarah does do a bunch of dumb shit along the way. But this is pretty smart what she does here when she realizes that these two Sarah Connors have been murdered and she quickly checks the phone book to see that she's the next one in line in the phone book. So she must know that she's coming up next. Mm. It would be pretty terrifying. Oh, yeah. Just to hear that on the news. And then she sees Reese yeah. following her. But he's, look, what is he doing? He's an idiot here. He's like, such I've a creeper weirdo. Yeah. He's following her down the public streets and she sees him in the nightclub and everything. But. You see him sitting in the car when she walks out of her apartment. Like, I know he would have sounded like a crazy person, but at least try to make contact with her. Yeah, what, what is he doing? Say, is, he, is he waiting for the Terminator to show up? That's what I mean. Like, he was. Why were you doing that? It doesn't make sense. Does he need Does he need to know what the Terminator looks like? I guess, but why? Like, he should have just- Because he comes dangerously close. To screwing it all up here. Yeah, like he didn't have to go on with the whole future thing, but he could have just made contact and made some sort of... Like, you've got that evidence, although I guess he doesn't know that the news knows and she will know soon enough that the two Sarahs have been already murdered, but, like, surely, surely you've got to try. Yeah. Did you see the name of the nightclub? Tech Noir. Yeah. So apparently, James Cameron named the nightclub Tech Noir after the genre of the film that he's just made. He's he's made up his own little genre here, equating it to the same as like Blade Runner in these sort of combining the old style grittiness of noir films with the futuristic elements of a sci fi thriller. Yeah. No, I think I think it's clever. Yeah. Can you think of any other Tech Noir films besides Terminator and Blade Runner? I personally would think of Dark City. Tech Noir. 
Yeah, that works. It's definitely noir. Yeah. I'm just thinking. And it's futuristic. Yeah, 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 yeah that works. Cool. It's very noir. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought of. I, I just like saying on. the word noir. 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 <laughs> now, we get the Terminator show up at the, the house. Now, I believe this is a very effective jump scare that happens here. When she's getting the stuff out of the fridge, it is silent and the lizard knocks the thing down. Like, that is genuinely scary. Like, that jolt. Okay. Like, that is an effective Did jump scare. Did you jump? Yeah. Oh, I didn't jump. Because you know, you've seen the Terminator show up. You know he could be there just waiting for her. Like, he's ready to come inside. He could even be inside already. And for her, she's got her headphones in. She can't hear anything. So, we're getting that silence that she's not hearing outside of her headphones. Hmm. And the lizard knocks in there. Whoa, okay. If you're on edge, that's definitely going to get you. That was good. And man, Matt gets brutalized in this bedroom. He, he gets, gets messed around. Up. He yeah. gets beat up real well, which is good because a lot of the deaths are by like guns and yeah. whatnot. So, it's good to see him in a bit of a... I mean, it's not really a fight, but a fist fight. He moves his head out the way, he punches a pillow, and he punches a hole in the pillow. Well, he can punch through skin and exactly, uh, clothing, Dean. so That's I'm sure right. he could punch through a pillow. There's Matt, tough guy Matt. Don't make me mess you up, pal, with a lamppost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and even the murder of Ginger is played off like a horror, like that creepy, intense, high-pitched sound as he bursts through the door in slow-mo as she's running away with that laser-pointed gun. Mm. He shoots her, and she's trying to crawl away, and you that, see that the blood on her hands. Away, it's, it's, it's brutal. Yeah, and for him to just come up and just unemotionally empty the clip into her, like, again, what he did from prior, it's very horrific, and it's very frightening, but fantastic. Yeah, it is. It really is. And it's it's really... It's all about to culminate in this scene at the club. Very unfortunate that she happens to be calling at the exact moment he's there. Unfortunate. Coincidental. Hmm. Yeah. I did like that um, the Terminator finds Sarah's contact book. Yeah. And keeps it. He gets the he gets the photo of her. Yeah. Yeah, but he keeps yeah, he keeps the contact book for you know information on her. Yeah, it's great. Because yeah. he uses it later on. Did you know that Sarah Connor's supposed to be eighteen in this movie? Yes, I did. Yes. Based off the sequel, actually. That's where you find out most of the information. Yeah, I think Kyle Reese is supposed to be 18 or 19 as well. I thought he was 21. Well, thereabouts. Yeah. And they're both, I think, 27 or 28. Yeah. I, I personally don't think it matters how old they are. Like, it really doesn't have too much bearing on the film, so... No. It's not like they're in school, you know? Like, <laughs> I care more if people playing high school students and they're 28. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we get to this nightclub scene, and uh, yeah, I'll just say it. This is my... Excellent! No way, because yeah. this is also my... Excellent! Nice! I did not expect that. Yeah, this, this whole thing... At all. This whole thing is incredible. It is! Oh, it's like... <laughs> it is... I can't believe this is your favourite scene. Really? Well. It is nuts. My favourite bit of this scene is the shot of Sarah knocking over a drink off the table so she leans down to get it. Yeah. And we see the Terminator walking behind her... And he's just, it's so amazing. It's slow motion now. Yeah. It's just time to perfection. And she's, she sees, she looks up and sees Reese watching her at the bar. And you're just like, oh my God, everyone's here. Yeah. She's she, so on edge. She has no idea about Arnie. She's more focused on Reese. Yeah. And you get that look that the Arnie, as he's scanning around and he sees her and his face just zones in on her, that he sinks his head down. He's got that angry face on. And. Uh. He just pushes everyone out of the way. Yeah, he lines her right up. Yeah. That again, that red sight dot just planted on her forehead. And you got that music, that rising music, like oh no, what's gonna happen? And then you get it's broken with the sound of the shotgun. But it's also no, it's cut like 
as that's happening, you see Reese rip around with his yeah. trench coat coming. Yeah. You're like, oh, this is just so intense. It's amazing. Yeah. It is. It really is. <laughs> and yep, he pumps a whole bunch of bullets into him. Arnie goes flying back. And if you didn't know this was a Terminator, you're like, oh, all right, he's dead. Yeah. That's the end of the film. Exactly. And you get that slow, like, fingers yeah. start to twitch. And up he gets, and you're just like, and what the, Terminator the hell music is comes going on? Because well. yeah. you're right, like, you don't know he's a robot at this point. Yeah, but you find that out basically now where, as he gets back up, and you get that iconic line from Reese. Come with me if you want to live. And the chase is on now, and... Yeah, you get this great car chase. Oh, I mean, they're in the car, and he's running on foot. Yeah, you get one of the rare shots of Arnie, actually, or the Terminator actually running in this film, where most of the time he's very methodical, he's walking, he's taking his time. This is one of those, maybe two times, I think, where he's actually running in the film. And this is also where you get the first shot of the red point of view, the red screen point of view. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Again, this is where we find out that he is a machine, a Terminator. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If we didn't already know from the title. But here, so they're throwing, what are they, throwing bombs? Like, oh, no, he shoots shoots a car and the car blows up and the Terminator's got to run through the fire. Yeah. This is, like, I've seen this movie many times. This is the first time I actually realise the impact this has on his appearance. Yeah. His eyebrows get singed. I noticed the I, eyebrows were gone when he's in the cop car, soon coming up, patrolling. Yeah. And then I noticed that the hair got singed when he gets into the apartment and he's got the, yeah. the busted eye. Yeah. I'll be honest. I thought the hair singeing was an error. I oh, thought, really? I thought, they've changed his hair here. Because his hair's very moppy. It's very start. moppy when it's he first appears. <laughs> it is so much cooler with the short, spiky hair he, he um, eventually ends up with. But the eyebrows, I never actually noticed they weren't there. And he, Arnie actually shaved his eyebrows off for this and had them insured through an insurance company because he wasn't confident that they would grow back properly. Wow. Really? That's crazy. It is. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, like, yeah, with the eyebrows gone, he looks even more frightening now because the eyebrows are used for emoting as well. And the fact that they're gone now, he looks even more like an emotionalist killing machine. He looks scary as. You know what it reminded me of? Monster. Charlize Theron shaving her eyebrows yeah, off in that. Yep. And she looks terrifying in that. No, I good, thought those little, those little bits of hair above our eyes <laughs> really <laughs> do so much. They soften the face. <laughs> so you see Arnie catch up to him, jump on the car, puts his hand through the windshield, but he does fly off the side of the car. And when he gets up, he's got the smoke coming off of him. Like he's running through that fire. He's a bit burnt. Yep. That was actually done by putting acid on Arnie. Really? Yeah. They put actual acid. On his his um, clothes, yeah, his clothes, and when uh, when he did an interview about that, he basically said it hurt. That's what he said. Jesus. It hurts. Yeah, that's how they got that smoking effect. I didn't even notice that smoking. Didn't you? That's so weird. Mm, that's how they did it. Okay. And so as they're driving off, getting chased by Arnie in the cop car, this is where we get a lot of this exposition come up of why he's there, what the Terminator is there to do, a lot of the information that we want to know. Starts coming out now. Yeah. Through bits and pieces. Yeah, absolutely. He mentions um, that the Terminator is Cyberdyne Systems Model 101. They never actually mentioned that he's a T-800 they in this never, film. I never realized that because I was waiting. I was doing my notes. And I was like, oh, do I call him the T-800? Do I call him the Terminator? I was like, oh, I'll just leave it as Terminator until I hear the T-800. They never say it. No. It's crazy. It certainly has a better ring to it, T-800, than Cyberdyne <laughs> Systems Model 101. <laughs> <laughs> And as they're waiting out in the car park here, we do get another great line from Kyle here setting up the Terminator and basically what he's all about. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. 
and it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. Yeah, Michael Bane is great here. Like Michael he's Bane. Bane. Yeah, Transformers on the mind. Michael, Michael Bane. Bane. You sure it's Bane? It is Bane. There's no A. There's more Bean than Bane. Okay. How do you pronounce I E I G N? Rain. There's no A in it, but the E I makes an A sound. B E I H N is Bean. Oh, sorry. Michael. <laughs> Michael Bean. 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 Bean is great here. I've never, I've never heard anyone say Michael Bain before. Bain. Okay. You're very good, Carl Reese. <laughs> Michael Bean is great here. His intensity with what he is saying is so convincing. He talks about it in such a matter-of-fact way and manages to convince Sarah about it in about a minute that he's from the future. Like He's got no evidence. That's really all it takes. Yeah. It's crazy. And then he says, um, most of us were put into camps for extermination and shows a barcode on his wrist. Remind you of anything? Shindler's list. Yeah, it's very reminiscent of the concentration camps from World War Two and the uh, tattoos they would put on the inside of their arms. Yeah. And meanwhile, in between this conversation between Sarah and Kyle, you are getting the Terminator searching for them again with those awesome eyes, darting back and forth before his head turns like he's searching and scanning, like observing basically like a machine. It's ridiculous how good he's doing it. Yeah, he's fantastic. We did skip over his other little hidden talent. Oh, the he, voice. The voice. Yeah. This is 1L19. <laughs> <laughs> Use it twice in the film. No, it's really good. Yeah. Like When you see that for the first time, that would be pretty good. Now, there is one big thing that bugged me on this time that I watched it. Yep. Being a bit more critical as I watched this one for the podcast. So, Arnie smashes into the wall, okay? The cops <laughs> pull up and arrest the other two. Yep. They go to the car and he's gone. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Why uh, has he ran away? He's not fearful of these yeah, people. He could have. He's his one objective is to kill Sarah Connor, and she's standing there with her arms up in the air, mm. like virtually ready to be killed. He would not be intimidated at all by the police. Yeah. He hasn't shown any hesitation in attacking before. He burst and in and mows down thirty cops in the next and he's half an hour. And never run away before, and he never does again. Yeah, I didn't understand it, why. It, yeah, you're right. This very makes, big plot hole here. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. Because once he crashes a car, he would get out and shoot her. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. No Terminator 2. Oh, God. Or 3. Uh. <laughs> or 4. Or Genesis. We do get a quick little entry here for Dr. Silverman. Man, this guy's a massive douche, isn't he? He is. Uh, he's also in the first three Terminator films, at least. Yeah, you can see he clearly doesn't give a shit. Especially when he yawns. Like, criminal psychologist. Like, he can't be bothered being here. Even though she's a wreck. He doesn't care. No, he doesn't care. But he is, he's definitely like comedic relief in this film. Yeah, and I guess he does such a good job that they do get, bring him back as a much bigger role in the second one. And again, as a little cameo in the third. Yeah, yeah. There's not, there's not a lot of lightheartedness to this film. So the scene where they're watching back Reese's interview with him is hilarious. Yeah, exactly. So we end up seeing the Terminator get back to his little apartment he's probably broken into. Uh, he is messed up. I don't think he's broken into he it. He climbs in through the window. Yeah, but later on the... the. Uh... Do you honestly think the Terminator has rocked up and paid money to for this apartment? I mean, it's possible. Do you think the cleaner realises? Do you think he thinks he is an actual customer, like a person living there? Yes. I don't think so. I think he hears someone in there and he's just talking to them. Mm. Let's get to that scene later. But you see him here. 
And he's obviously got some pretty disastrous effects on his face from that crash. Yeah, the way this scene's directed is is pretty great, to be honest, because we see, we see the Terminator take a scalpel and dig it into his arm. Then we see the Terminator's face for a long time while he's operating on himself. We're not actually watching the scalpel dig around in his skin at this point, and it does build up the anticipation. And then when the camera slowly pans down to reveal his metal skeleton underneath yeah. the skin, like it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and you get those little sound effects, like, wee, 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 and you can hear the yeah. metal. That, like the- and he's got the pliers, he's pulling one yeah. of the, the metal bones it. and the, the fingers coming forward and back. It's, it's great. And then we get the shot of the animatronic Arnie. It is a disaster. It is definitely the worst part of this film. This is incredibly outdated. It looks really, really bad. I mean, it looks the worst. I still prefer this scene to Reese's dream. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean- Take the, it or leave it. They, it's referred to as a puppet. Apparently, it took him six months to yeah. actually make. Yeah, maybe should have taken 12, in fairness. But I don't know. Was this even good back in the day? I don't think it would have been. Like, people watching this in 84 were they going, man, that's great special effects. Maybe they will probably going, man, that is a good-looking puppet. And I bet, I bet watching it on a 30 centimeter TV screen back in the day would have been fantastic. But now when you watch it on a massive HD screen, it, it, just, like, it just looks ridiculous. Yeah, but, even the movements, it's just, it doesn't look good at all. But we do get the great shot of the red eye though. The red eye is great. Yeah. And then we get the Terminator making sure his hair is okay. Yeah, nice little look into the mirror. Nice. It's odd. Why would the machine care at all about He's adapting how- to human abilities. But that's- no, come on. Yeah, so the cops basically come to the conclusion that Reese is crazy. Obviously, no one's going to believe anything he says. They give Sarah a bulletproof vest, tell her to sit on the couch, go to yeah. sleep. You'll Don't worry, you're here. in a safe place yeah. here. You've got 30 police officers here. Now, when the Terminator actually comes in and kills everyone here, he actually kills 30 cops. Does no, he? no, he does. You go back and count it, he kills 30 cops. Did you actually count it? Yep. You did not. You read it. <laughs> You dickhead. Because apparently in T2, they say it was 17. Yeah, I don't understand why. You see 30 cops get killed here. Did you notice the Terminator has changed his wardrobe now? Yes, to his basically iconic leather. Leather, yeah. Yeah. Much better look. Yes, than the uh, the punkish oversized jacket. So here we go now. Iconic line time. Ah, oh, this line is fantastic. It is. I'll be back. Now, originally, the line in the script was actually written as... I'll come back. Yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. No, it doesn't. And apparently Arnie wanted the line to be, I will be back, believing that the Terminator wouldn't shorten words like a human would. James Cameron told him, I don't tell you how to act, don't tell me how to write. Yeah. Which doesn't make a lot of sense because in fairness, I bet Cameron told Arnie many times how to act. (laughs) Daily, probably. Probably. (laughs) Like, seriously, he's a director. But no, I'll be back. Voted number 37 on AFI's top 100 movie lines of all time. Yep, that sounds about right. It does. And they do set up that line very well here where the Terminator asks to see Sarah. He's told, you know, no one can see her this time of the night. And you see him scan the area. He's yeah. looking It's like he's looking at, like, the framework. Yeah. What That's what he's doing. He's, he's thinking... He looks down I, the hallway. If I ram the car in here, is it going to smash yeah. through? He just looks at everything. He, su- he sums it all up. And then he does that little lean-in. The lean-in is fantastic. Do it. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll come back. <laughs> See, doesn't have the same effect. I will come back. <laughs> I will be back at a more convenient time. I promise I am not a robot. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he 
definitely comes back, doesn't he? Yeah, I like. I love the two huge guns he pulls out here. <laughs> like the machine gun with his shotgun in the other one. It's so great. Yeah, and he goes on an absolute rampage here, just destroying everyone in his path. Yep. Just and- basically a big shoot up scene where he... Yeah. Kills everyone. It's great. And you see Reese is handcuffed in a room mm. and he knocks out his captor. Captor, that's not the right word. Wow. He knocks out his guard. Yes. With a knee to the stomach. <laughs> now, come on. <laughs> that's a bit weak. Come on. That's <laughs> soft. But we do say goodbye to our two police detectives here. Yes, we do. Yep. They were, they were there for the time being. Not really big characters, I guess. Well, I guess, they're like, what were they, the, the fourth, fourth and, and fifth, fifth main yeah. character? Yeah. Jeez. Not a lot of characters in this. No. But luckily, you know, Kyle and Sarah do escape. They do. And they find a cave. And Sarah sits there, shivering, mind you. Arms wrapped around her knees, shaking. Mm-hmm. And Reese asks her, are you cold? <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck do you think? He doesn't have a lot of social... <laughs> Skills. Yeah. No, you're right. He doesn't. He doesn't. But this is where we get a bit more exposition here about the future, about John Connor. You know, this is actually kind of where we learn about John Connor here. Hmm. Yeah, he was mentioned in the first exposition dump, but he's definitely uh, talked about in depth here. And Kyle does talk to Sarah about the future, and this is where she starts to fall asleep, and he's describing it, and we get to see everyone, like, living in poverty, basically. Like, the shot of the kids watching the TV, and then it cuts... To the other side, where they're just watching the fire yeah. inside the TV. That was yeah, great. It was. And then yeah, this Terminator comes in. Did you know who that Terminator was? It was Arnold Schwarzenegger's good friend, Franco Columbu. That's right. But the thing we pick up here is Kyle's infatuation for Sarah as he carries that photo around of her. And you see the devastation on his face when that photo starts to burn up. Yeah, and you, you really do learn a lot about Kyle Reese here. He says... You know, because Sarah's saying, oh, sort of like a man, it sucks they picked you. He's like, nah, I volunteered. Yeah. I've carried this photo. You're this hero. You're this great woman. But I got to thinking about that. Why the fuck wouldn't he volunteer? What kind of shithole world is he living in in the future? And it's like, hey, do you want to go back to when there was no war? Yep. Back oh, to when there was... If I have to. <laughs> yeah, I'll go and... Go shack up with this gorgeous woman that you've been obsessing about. <laughs> God, okay, I'll do it. So after this little dream sequence, they wake up the next day and as they walk out, it's very foggy outside. Do you know anything about this fog? No, I don't know anything about the fog. No, it was actually bug spray due to this... Ugh. Yeah, this fly scare in the location they were filming. What? Yeah, it was used to kill all these specific type of bugs. Bug spray. So yeah. it wasn't actual bug spray, it was a... It wasn't something out of a can. It was okay. like a massive... Because that would take a lot of cans. Yeah, you see a couple of dudes in the back room with a bunch of... <laughs> like, <you> know, mortine. <laughs> yeah, the crew was going to wait until the spray had gone, but they just decided to use it for the fog instead. I do love this little exchange, as we spoke about before, with the Terminator sitting in his room and the cleaner knocking on the door, because you could smell the, like, the rotting flesh of the Terminator. That's where this smell's coming from. You got a dead cat in there or what? And you see the the line of responses. Mm, which one should I pick? Oh, I, I love the responses. I remember pausing them when I was a kid on the VHS. <laughs> he, like, he do, you, do you remember what was there? There's like, yes, no, why? And then there's just the regular, fuck you. And Go then away. You, Go or, or my personal favourite, please come back later. Please come back later. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But he decides to go for... Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And I love the cleaner. gives him the... Hmm, yeah, okay. Like he, I, I deserve that. He gave him the fair enough look as he walks off. Huh. Even when 
He walks out the room with the big gun in his hand, mm. and he walks past the guy. He's like, "God damn, <laughs> <laughs> get away from this guy!" They do do that a couple of times, actually. Like coming up where you see the Terminator walking towards the door, and you get his point of view, and you see the guy at his car, and you see him like back away as he's watching him. Mm. Like, you do get a couple of those shots of people just freaking out by uh, just by looking at him because he's got a massive gun. Yeah, I mean the gun would do it probably. So Kyle and Sarah do head to the hotel here. I like the little touch of Kyle petting the dog out the front as well. Yeah. Did you know that was actually James Cameron's yes, I dog? Did. I did know that. Did you know what its name was? Um, Ha-ha! It's uh, Wolfie. Sam. <laughs> Wolfie. Wolfie. What is it? I actually don't like that name because it's too much. You just end up saying Wolfie instead of Wolfie. But yeah, I was talking about earlier how smart Sarah was in searching through the phone book for her name. This has got to be the dumbest thing she does in the entire film, calling her mum and giving her the location of where she's at. Why would you ever do this? You are on the run. You are being hunted by a machine. Just I mean, why are you I giving can, it your- I can forgive this. No she, Obviously, way. it's all over the news. Sarah Connors are being murdered. I understand why she would call her mum and comfort her, saying, no, 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 I'm alive. I'm okay. Don't worry. Okay, but don't give out where you are. But she's talking to her mum. Like, it's not like you think your mum's going to tell someone. I, I can understand where she's coming from here. No, I don't I think can't. it's a crazy, dumb move. I think it is. I think it was terrible. Okay. Terrible. Almost cost her her life. No, but I do like this bonding scene that occurs here between these two. Some really good character development here. We see Sarah and her fears for the future. Kyle confesses his love to her. Basically tells her he's still a virgin. Yep. Unlucky. Well, not for long, as it does culminate in the classic 80s sex scene here oh it is so the <laughs> the soppy music the music the, is the so clenching corny. hands on the, the bed she, the sheets just like oh my god this was this was almost cringy but after that's all finished but that's uh after he's finished that's <laughs> <laughs> joke idiot the very next scene we get sarah she goes to sort of mimic or feign throwing the explosives at Reese, mm. and he sort of, he, he smiles. This is actually the only time in the whole movie he smiles. Yeah. That's how some, serious and intense this character is. Well, wouldn't you be smiling after you lost your virginity? You won't, you'll tell me when you, you do, okay? Be <laughs> <laughs> <Too> good. <laughs> yeah, but as they're packing up their explosives here, they do hear the dog barking at the front, symbolising, signalling that the Terminator is is coming. Yep. And like I said, before you get that POV shot of the Terminator walking up, you get that gun out the front. looks like a, a shoot 'em up game. <laughs> yeah, as he's walking along, he has the gun in front of him and it looks like a first-person shooter. Does it? It does. Sort of like that movie Doom. Nothing like that movie Doom. Except for the first-person shooter style. Yeah, except for the whole Doom part of it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's basically an action film from here on out to the end. Yeah, it's non-stop. And who doesn't love a bit of action, hey? You see how when Reese is throwing the pipe bombs at the Terminator, do you know how they did that effect? No, how? They actually did it by putting a single white frame spliced in at the exact moment that the smoke bomb goes off on the road. As the motorbike drives along. Oh, really? Yeah, as the motorbike rides along, it triggers, it runs over some sort of trigger that explodes a smoke bomb. And in post-production, they put in a quick white flash. That's clever. Yeah. I thought it was funny here how he's throwing... Pipe bomb after pipe bomb, right? And pretty quickly. Yeah. Then on this one, he's leaning out the window and he's slowly letting the fuse burn pretty close down. Yeah. Like, here we go. He throws it and the exact same thing happens. (laughs) It's like, God. (laughs) What am I going to do here? (laughs) What a waste of all these bombs. I know. But he does get shot, uh, unfortunately, in the arm, is it? Yeah, it is the arm because you can see that Sarah's bandaged his bicep up later on. But Sarah thinks quickly and rams the bike into the wall. 
does cause it to crash the car, though. Yeah, flip it. Yeah. I do find it funny how Arnie looks up, bang, just gets, just gets mowed down by this truck, gets dragged along the ground yeah, for a couple of miles. Clear dummy being used here. Yep. But even then, like, so Sarah and Carla, they've got the car flipped over, and instead of Arnie walking over to them, yeah. he commandeers a truck to drive away and then back up and then ram them. Yeah, that was a bit iffy. I do like how he gets in the car, gives the other driver a look. <laughs> the look, and he's got the metal yeah. shining through. Just gives him that. Get out. Which does get used again in the, in the second Terminator as well. Yeah. And man, it just really seems like there is no end to this Terminator. Like, every time they think they've got him, he just gets up and he keeps going. Mm. He's literally relentless. He's an unstoppable killing machine. Even after Kyle sets off the truck bomb, blows him up, he looks like he's done. And they have this elongated shot of him in the flames down on the ground getting melted and you see him trying to get up and he just doesn't and he just you see the the skin melt off his face and you get the skeleton and he's just done he's down and sarah's like yes it's over yeah cameron and a producer actually got in a pretty big argument here as the producer wanted the film to end here that's it have none of the endoskeleton scenes or even the prologue after with sarah in the desert that would have been like you could see it ending there but it would have been horrible oh it <laughs> like what an abrupt ending yeah massively abrupt like i'm so glad that james cameron stood his ground and won out yeah, on this exactly also interesting to note here that sarah connor no longer refers to kyle reese's reese anymore after they make love it goes straight to kyle every time oh there you go so I guess that's what it takes to get on first name basis. <laughs> but I guess this is where Cameron's vision came from because you think it's all over, but yep. nope. Out from the flames. Out from the flames rises the endoskeleton. And boy, this thing is a scary looking thing. Those red eyes, the, yeah. the metal skull face. Yeah. Oh, it is horrifying. The design is perfect. Yeah, it is really, really good. What do you think of the stop motion animation portions? It's a little video game-esque. But they're not embarrassingly bad like the puppet earlier. Yeah. And I think for the time, it's it's good. I think it's fine. Like, yeah. it didn't put me out of the film nah, at all. No, not at all. Not at all. But to contrast that, the times where it's just like one half of the endoskeleton with the actual model, like the yeah. actual, like from Stan Winston, the big heavy metal models that yeah. they couldn't even move properly. <laughs> they look fantastic. Oh. Every single time they're on the screen, menacing, yep. terrifying. It is fantastic. Yep. And we do get to see the start of the whole complete arc of Sarah Connor here as the leader and the warrior comes out, you know, when she says, All right, Reese. On your feet, soldier! On your feet! And not just that, but, like, like Reese is, is pretty useless now. Like, he, he gets, you know, beaten off by the... Wow. <laughs> I must have missed that scene. <laughs> he gets beaten off by the... Sarah? T- he gets beaten off by the Terminator. Yeah, I do wish that Kyle had a more satisfying death other than he was just too close to the explosion as he blew it up with the last pipe bomb. Like, he's obviously a major character in this film, and to have him go out like that was a little bit of a letdown. Like, perhaps having him actually killed by the Terminator, like him maybe him getting in the way, protecting Sarah like that, would have been a more satisfying death, and it would have made the Terminator even more menacing. Like, not that he, not that he needs to be. He mm. clearly is a very menacing character. But to have him actually kill our main character yeah. would have worked probably better. And again, you think it's all over. Kyle's dead. The Terminator was blown to pieces. Yeah. And she survived. But no. Again, another effective jump scare here. Like, that that got me. Like, she's, she, she's like, cradling his dead body. It's so sad. Ah! He, he just comes up from behind. <laughs> and, he like, he just shoots up. 
and that, 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 that music comes up and scares the shit out of you. And he starts chasing her again, and they're still on the same level because she's got she had a bit of pipe or something go through her legs, yeah. so she can't walk. She's crawling as he is crawling as well. Yeah, levels of playing field. It's so body intense here. Like, when will this thing die? It is just non-stop. Even when she shuts the gate and is trying to hit that compressor button, and the metal hand is, like, inching around her throat, it is just... It's so palpable. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And that music just escalates and escalates. And then you finally get her hand on that button and she gives that great, great line. You're a terminated fucker. Yeah, a really great ending here to the, the character of the Terminator. Just went out all the way to the end. There yeah. was many, many times you thought he was gone. Hard to kill. Exactly. And we do get our final scene here where Sarah is driving through the desert. She's obviously pregnant now with John. Obviously, Kyle is the father. And if you didn't know that, she does speak as he is the father. Yeah. She's just trying to decide what to what to tell him. And she's sort of thinking off. And that's when the photo gets taken, which I did like. Yeah, that is good. She actually gives this great line where she's basically talking to the audience. Will it affect your decision to send him here, knowing that he is your father? If you don't send Kyle, you can never be... God, a person could go crazy thinking about this. And that's basically it for time travel movies like this and Back to the Future and like many others that feature this like time travel continuum. It's probably good not to think too deeply into that sort of time travel part of it. You could just enjoy it on its face value because your head will probably explode with all the multiple uh, tangible universes you could come up with. Especially to think about it at a normal level. But like you said, she gets the photo taken, drives off, oh, she gets that awesome line at the end, storm's coming. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, and you get the music as she's driving off. Oh, just that music. louder than ever. It's so good. Fantastic. Great ending here for a great film. Any last words? All right, Dean, I see you've got your final thoughts there ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I've given up. Is this one from the heart again? Yeah, I don't, I don't need to write down final thoughts. All right, well, then give it to us then. Yeah, so The Terminator for me is a... Truly, truly amazing film. I feel like it is so overlooked after the massive success of Terminator 2. But when you watch it again, you really you do appreciate how magnificent a film it is. And I think, honestly, I'm really looking forward to seeing number two to finally settle the argument for me of which is better. Because I have gone back and forth for some time now, trying to decide which I like more. And this movie, it just impressed me on so many levels. Yes, there are a couple little plot holes through it, but you can forgive it in this film. Like, it is a complicated film. You are dealing with time travel. But when you couple this great, great original story along with Arnold Schwarzenegger's just insanely menacing performance, you do get something pretty perfect. So, for me, this is... Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. Well, why do we have to wait till Terminator 2 to find out if it's better than the Terminator View? Aren't we doing our top five James Cameron films shortly? <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, so we're going to find out quicker than you thought. You'll find out what my thoughts are now, but they may change after I watch Terminator 2. All right, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, this film is an iconic piece of my teen years. I've seen this film so many times and love it just as much every single time. Not only is it a fantastic sci-fi action film... It is a genuine horror thriller as well, with Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator easily being one of the most frightening and iconic characters of all time. Arnold is perfect in this role. His mannerisms and his movements mimic the robotic killer so well. 
He says very little, but says so much of what he does. I think this is easily his best acted role. Our supporting cast in Michael Bean and Linda Hamilton are also very good and hold their weight in the more emotional and character-driven scenes. The story, while seemingly complicated due to its themes of time travel, is actually quite simple and to the point, but you can also look a bit deeper into it and be completely satisfied as well. The score is mesmerizing, easily one of my favorites of all time. I could listen to that over and over. The action is fantastic as well. Lots of practical effects and great chase scenes too. But I think the best thing is just the overall dread of this relenting machine just continuing to move forward in its one goal of killing this woman and how it will literally not stop. It keeps your heart pumping from beginning to end and never lets up. This film is so bloody great. It ticks all the right boxes and gets our... Amazing. Amazing. Outstanding. From me. Very good. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, let's break out our lists and find out where the Terminator is going to sit. Okay, so currently on my list, I have five films that I'll give five stars to. Add in the Terminator to that. We're looking at six films. So we'll start at number five. Is it better than Die Hard? No, it's not. It's going to sit at number six for me. That was quick. Yeah, it was quick, but it's definitely better than The Wizard of Oz for me. And it's definitely not as good as Die Hard. So it's actually pretty easy for me to rank this one. What about you? All right, going to the tier of amazing films, let's start off at the number nine spot and see how it goes against The Prestige. And let's keep it short as well. That's where it stays. Really? Yeah. I think The Prestige is a better film than The Terminator, so I'm going to put it at number nine on my list. Fair enough. We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. All right, it's just the one review for The Terminator this week, and that is from... Okay, I'll start by saying that I think the original Terminator film is better than the more popular and acclaimed sequel, Judgment Day. In fact, Judgment Day was a bit of a letdown the first time I saw it, though I probably wasn't sure why at the time. There were some really great iconic sci-fi action films in the 80s, and The Terminator is one of the very best. Arnold Schwarzenegger is terrifying as the mass-murdering, unstoppable cyborg monster that travels from the year 2029 to 1984 to hunt down his target, Sarah Connor. Unlike Judgment Day, The Terminator isn't out to please everyone and doesn't pull any punches. Many innocent people who get in the Terminator's way are brutally disposed of in realistic fashion. Kyle Reese is also sent back to protect Sarah, a man who has endured so much pain and horror in his life, it's almost all he knows. Reese and Sarah take time to trust each other and the movie pulls you into their relationship and makes you care about them. Meanwhile, the Terminator is going out on rampages, just breaking through every barrier they can think of to get to them. The film's a classic. You can watch it over and over and it never gets boring. The Terminator theme is timeless and emotionally moving. It really pumps you up for the movie during the opening credits. I also appreciate how the film is set over a small period of time, 48 hours or thereabouts, so there's urgency to everything that's happening. Summing up, this film is a personal favourite of mine, and I chose this film for the IMDb Journey podcast because I feel that in the shadow of its sequel, it's gone underappreciated, and hopefully Dean and Hendo have gone into its depths to explain exactly what makes it so special and how it succeeds where many other films fail. Classic, classic, classic tech noir. Thank you very much, Shane. I hope we uh, did you proud with our breakdown. Great review there, Shane. And thanks for picking The Terminator. It is a fantastic movie. Yeah, damn right. 
Remember, guys, if you want to send in your reviews for any of the films we break down or any of the films that we review over the course of the fortnights that we do, you can always put up your tweets to our Twitter account at IMDB Journey. Put them on our letterbox page at letterbox.com slash IMDB Journey. Email to us at IMDB Journey at gmail.com or get on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash IMDB Journey. You really have no excuses. If you want to put a review up, there are plenty of ways to do it. Yes, there are. All right, let's take a look at our latest Pod v. Pod results, where we drafted courtroom dramas against Gidget on the Roof from the Retro Cinema Podcast. And let's have a quick update of what our teams were. We had 12 Angry Men, To Kill a Mockingbird, Primal Fear, Witness for the Prosecution, and Philadelphia. And Gidget had A Few Good Men, Runaway Jury, A Time to Kill, The Accused, and In the Name of the Father. We did get a comment here from Mackenzie Lambert, said, IMDb Journey got my vote. Sorry, Gidget. 12 Angry Men and To Kill a Mockingbird are classics. I have a soft spot for Philadelphia since the soundtrack was the first CD I ever owned. From Charlie Brigden, IMDb Journey by Miles, simply for 12 Angry Men and To Kill a Mockingbird, which are better than all of the other teams put together. Wow. All right. Thank you for that vote. From the Epic Film Guys, well, that was easy. They've put up a uh, gif of 12 Angry Men. Yep. I think that sealed it for them. From the Tasteless Podcast said, Can't resist a time to kill. So I'm guessing their vote went to the Retro Cinema Podcast. That would be a solid guess from you there, Hendo. From Melissa at the Brook Reading Pod, Sorry, Gidget, To Kill a Mockingbird always wins it for me, but I do love A Time to Kill as well. This was difficult. The boys, Billy and Topher, we watch the thing, so this was tough, but Dan and Dean get it from us. From Films on Trial, 12 Angry Men and To Kill a Mockingbird, I am DB Journey all the way. Yeah, so thanks for all the votes and all the comments there, but after 118 votes, 57% of the IMDB Journey podcast... That is five for five. Woo, we're on a roll. Doing well. Let's see if our next guest can crack that winning streak. So let's get to our... That's my question! The question, jerk! Where we asked you listeners out there, what is your favourite James Cameron film? Now, there wasn't that many to choose from. He's only got eight. So let's have a look. I do want to give a big shout out here to the pop-up film cast who picked James Cameron's Aquaman. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Nice little entourage callback. Yeah. From Vince Leo at the Quipster Film Reviews podcast, Cameron has made several of my favourite movies, but The Terminator will always be on top for me. From Movie Geek and Proud, True Lies. This film has everything. Great action, lots of laughs, Tom Arnold actually holding his own, Jamie Lee Curtis kicking ass, Bill Paxson peeing on himself, and fucking Tia Carrera. Remember her? Yeah, I think she was in a TV show. Was she in Wayne's World? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, all right. From Paul at the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews Podcast, Aliens, no question. But he's made some great ones. From Ian Bullockluck, for me it's between The Terminator and Titanic, but oh my, I haven't seen a James Cameron film I disliked. From the Yes But Why Podcast, Terminator 2 was such a huge part of my childhood. I saw it at least a dozen times on TV before I ever saw the first one. I loved it. From Lisa C, Titanic. Not sure why people like to bag on it. It's pretty great. From the For Better or Worse Podcast, The Abyss. The ocean and what lies deep within its crushing depths is terrifying to me, and this movie captured that fear so well, and the drowning scene is a nightmare. James Cameron gets pretty far up his own ass by the end, but it's still such a great movie. Well said. The Recasting Couch podcast said, Terminator 2 is probably my favourite, but I very much dislike Cameron movies. He is not a good storyteller. His movies are visually stunning, but lack good storytelling. Hmm. Is that a hot take? It's different. Yeah. The Inside Scoop said Terminator 2, of course, but True Lies was definitely a great movie also. Trailer Junkies podcast say it's got to be T2. I still hear Guns N' Roses, You Could Be Mine When I Think About the Movie. There's a good song. 
From the Monster Closet podcast, Aliens is a great standalone sequel, working on its own merits, subverting the previous films, enriching the lore of the universe, good dialogue, great action, great design, really clever effects, and an Oscar-nominated performance from Sigourney Weaver. It's a good little review there. From Sidekick Showdown, it's Terminator 2, which is objectively the best, still looks phenomenally good 25-plus years later, and a virtually perfect action movie. And one last one here from The Contrarians, the original Terminator. No sequels needed. But out of all the comments we're looking at, everything seemed pretty close together except for Avatar and Piranha 2. The only one that really, really stood out by a long shot was Terminator 2. Yeah, I would agree. All right, and that being said, it's time to give you our top five James Cameron films. All right, Dean, why don't you kick it off? What is your number five James Cameron film? All right, my number five James Cameron film is Avatar. Okie doke. I actually like this film, saw it a couple times at the cinemas, and even though a lot of people hate on it now, I do still enjoy it. Okay, all right. My number five is Titanic. Very nice. Yeah, it's a good film. I enjoy it. We'll leave it at that. My number four is Titanic. Okay. Titanic. Titanic. Um, this is a great film. Okay. I, I do love Titanic. Awesome. Well, my number four is True Lies. Ooh. Love True Lies. Great How could action you not? film. How could you not? All right, heading to my number three... True Lies. You seem to be one up in, one up on me all the time. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Get used to it. Oh, yeah. All right, my number three is The Terminator. My number two is The Terminator. Yeah, it just, it just keeps on coming, doesn't it? Here we go. Well, I think we're going to change here because my number two is Aliens. Ooh. Aliens. Can't wait to talk about that one. All right. What is your number one? My number one, James Cameron film. No surprises. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And if anyone out there in film Twitter universe has seen any of my tweets, obviously you know that my number one James Cameron film is Terminator 2, Judgment Day. There it is. Yeah, for sure. All right, so for our question of the week for the next podcast, we're going to ask you, what is your most anticipated film for the rest of 2018? And we will give our top five most anticipated films of 2018 on the next podcast. All right, it's time to get into the Sweet 16 of our Best Director Tournament. And let's take a look at our first four matches here. We've got Robert Zemeckis versus Akira Kurosawa. Next match is Alfred Hitchcock versus Francis Ford Coppola. The third match here is Charles Chaplin against Joel and Ethan Cohen. Ooh, this last one's a bit juicy. Quentin Tarantino against Sergio Leone. They are getting tough now. These are getting good. Definitely getting better. I'm very interested to see these results here. So, what's next? All right, Hendo, hit that random number generator. What number film are we doing next? We have got, ooh, number 18. 18? Damn, we're doing The Matrix. Oh, shit. Nice. Wow, all right. That is going to be a good one. 18. Is that our biggest one now? Yeah, that's definitely our biggest one. Wow, this is going to be a great one. Our next highest was 28 with Saving Private Ryan. All right. All right, so we're going to come back in a fortnight with The Matrix. Awesome. All right, but next week we will have our next guest on for our Pod V Pod. We will be talking about what else we've been watching. Dean, what are you going to be presenting us next week? Presenting you? It's an odd way of saying it. Well, I think it's school holidays start next week. I think I will finally go and take the kids to see Teen Titans Go. Okay. To the uh, movies. Yeah, I was getting... Obviously, we'll go to the movies. Um, how else would we watch it? You do... I think you're, I think you're fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Yes, we'll see Teen Titans Go to the movies. I'm probably not expecting much, but... 
Yeah. What about you? Well, like I said at the start of the podcast, I've got four weeks off now, so I will be watching a lot of movies probably at home. I'm definitely going to go out and see Searching. It's a movie I've heard a lot of good stuff about, and I'm very, very very interested to see it, so I'll definitely be going to see that. But we will keep you updated on Twitter of what else we've been watching throughout the next week, and we'll see you next week for our Pod V Pod 6. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.